You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. And I'm your host, Jim Friend. Welcome back, everybody. Great to have you here today. We have a terrific guest on our show today, Father Michael Zimmerman, the Associate Director of Vocations for the Archdiocese of Boston. And we're going to get to that interview in just a moment. But first, if this is your first time listening to Advancing Our Church, we invite you to subscribe. We're here every single week with impactful leaders who are making a difference in our church. So just hit that little subscribe button, and we would just love to have you join the Advancing Our Church community. You know, speaking of impactful leaders, I was on LinkedIn this week, and my colleague John Knowles wrote a post with a scripture passage from the Sunday Gospel from a couple weeks ago about the woman at the well who only gave two coins. As you recall last week, I offered a brief reflection on those scriptures, but let me read John's post. It says, Are there people in our circles today that reflect the saintly character and faith of the old widow? Are there people giving everything they have to your organization, be it time or treasure, at a level that shocks you like the old widow impressed Jesus? Brothers, are we sincerely recognizing those humble givers, thanking and loving them as they deserve, or do we sometimes overlook them, missing the profound lesson that Christ is trying to teach us here? John received some great feedback on this post. The reason I bring it up today is that one of the individuals who posted made a great point. He said that all of the talented priests and pastors and various religious brothers and sisters who could have used their amazing talents for more worldly endeavors with their potential for riches and fame, yet they chose a life of complete servitude and its accompanying poverty or at least modest income. God doesn't call many of us to take the vow of poverty, and yet There's a meaningful lesson there for anyone, no matter what our vocation or financial status. And I just think this is a great point. We came off of Vocations Awareness Week just this past week, and vocations is our topic today. We need to thank God for all the wonderful men and women, clergy and religious around the world who have accepted the call. We have to recognize them, and we have to thank them for using their gifts. They could have used their gifts in another way by accepting a different vocation, but they accepted the call, and they are now, for us, the embodiment of the widow at the well. They give all that they have to us, and they give all that they have to God every single day. And I think in our own humanness, we tend to forget and and not be mindful that we should be grateful. Our clergy and the image of the widow at the well meditate on that this week. But for now, let's get to work. Right before Vocations Awareness Week, I had the opportunity to go live on Facebook with Father Michael Zimmerman and record this episode. Father Zimmerman created a beautiful 27-part video series on YouTube about vocations, and even if you're not considering a vocation, it's a very profound series for any young person to listen to. I think you're really going to enjoy meeting him, and so, without further ado, here is Father Michael Zimmerman. Okay, well, welcome to Advancing Our Church. Welcome, Father Zimmerman. It's so great to have you on the show today. Thank you, Jim. It's a pleasure to be here with you. So we're going to talk about vocations today in preparation for Vocations Week. So we have our special guest, Father Michael Zimmerman from the Archdiocese of Boston. And I I prepared a little bit of a bio so I could introduce our special guest today. And then we're going to talk about a, a wonderful video series that I had the opportunity to take a look at and 
um, just so inspiring. So we'll start first with Father Zimmerman is the middle of three children with one older sister and a younger brother. He grew up in Needham, where he attended his parish school. As a teen, Father Zimmerman attended the Zaverian Brothers High School. And during high school is when Father Zimmerman began attending the Life Teen at St. Mary Church in Dedham. It's a wonderful program where he first began to take his faith seriously. Father Zimmerman attended Boston University and afterwards went on a mission trip to Panama with the Salatian Sisters, where he taught English to local students. Afterwards, he attended St. John's Seminary, and after completing two years of pre-theology, he was chosen to attend the Pontifical North American College in Rome. Father Zimmerman was ordained a priest in 2017, where he currently serves as the Assistant Vocation Director for the Archdiocese of Boston and an adjunct scripture professor at St. John's Seminary. Welcome, Father Zimmerman. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction. So, Father, uh, we were talking just from a minute before uh, we, we went on to Facebook here, but I just wondered, um, I, I think it's always interesting to hear, especially in light of today's topic, and I read the article that was published back when you were a deacon. It was so, sounded so interesting. Your own journey to a deacon sounded like it went through Life Team, through Panama, through a, maybe some different evolutions there. Tell us a little bit about your own journey to the priesthood. Yeah, thank you. It is it is quite a journey, and this is a good warm up for me. It, we have a vocations retreat weekend uh, this weekend, so I'll be oh, good. ready to talk about this quite a bit. I'm sure. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> for me, the question of the priesthood and vocation really came up when I was in college, in high school, as you mentioned, in the youth group program. Life team was really when I, you know, became more active in my faith and desiring a relationship with God and growing in that. Yeah. Um, but then when I went to college, Boston University, there was an order of religious brothers that ran the campus ministry called the Brotherhood of Hope. And getting to know them, seeing that they were good, normal guys, um, and observing, getting to experience their life of community, prayer, the work that they did, I began to see and think for myself, well, this is a good life. <laughs> uh, right. I can see myself doing this. Now, I had a girlfriend of three years at that point, um, and I'm not really good at lying. So, you know, I told her <laughs> that this is what I'm thinking, you know, right. I could see myself doing that. And as you might imagine, she was not too keen on that idea. Of course. So seeing how upset she was, I kind of just ran away from it. I was like, oh, I'm just making this up. This isn't real. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, you know, yeah, ran away from it. But then the next year, my sophomore year of college, these thoughts came back again. And I was like, all right, you know, I've got to take this more seriously. So I began meeting with one of the brothers, began praying and reflecting on this question of vocation. And I began to see, I felt the most peace in times of prayer and joy in times of service, especially in the church. And ultimately I felt God calling me to give myself to him and to his service in such a way that I wouldn't be able to give myself to a wife in the way she would deserve and a family the way they would deserve just being one person and not able to totally give myself like that now at this point uh as i said i was a sophomore in college 20 years old we had been dating over four years at that point which is over 20 percent of my life <laughs> um so yeah. we ended up mutually breaking up but that was definitely like the hardest decision of my you know my life trying to going through with that but uh, ultimately, afterwards, feeling like a lot of peace, a lot of consolation that, you know, this is right. This is good. So in a way, I kind of discerned like celibacy, a unique relationship with Christ before 
the priesthood and the next couple of years of college kind of was when the priesthood came more clear in my mind. And I applied and entered seminary right after graduating. Wonderful. That must've been a difficult conversation. I would imagine maybe even more difficult with yourself and, and just that discernment process of talking with God. Cause I know well, and, and this yours is obviously a much different vocation story than my own. I'm still working on my own discernment to the diaconate, mm-hmm. but I know that through a lot of time in front of the blessed sacrament and time in prayer and in just that dialogue with God was where I found, you know, myself being called towards the diaconate. I imagine that that time in prayer for you had to be so critical in discerning the right trajectory for a celibate life and, uh, and, and moving towards a different spousal relationship than you had maybe previously thought. Yeah, absolutely. I would, you know, I always tell people the first thing when it comes to discerning a vocation is you've got to pray. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you've got to, you've got to talk about it with God, you know, a vocation comes from God. It's his voice. And we have to listen to his voice if we really want to know what am I supposed to do with my life? What does God have in store for me? Both to like objectively know what I'm being called to, but also like learning to trust God and like hearing like the love he has for us in that voice that he is good, you know, and um, he has my best interests in mind uh, too. So that relationship of prayer is, is really essential taking those things that maybe I'm afraid of, maybe I don't want to consider, but actually talking about those very things I don't want to talk about with God is actually how I grow to trust him. Mm -hmm. And I I actually can get some clarity and peace in my life. I think we often um, we're afraid of starting that conversation because we're afraid of where it might go. And we just kind of stick our head in the sands. Sure. But I think actually going to those difficult areas is really what leads to the greatest fruit. Beautiful. How was, uh, how was the conversation with your parents? I, re- I read in the article that you said that they were a little bit surprised, but how, how did that go? And how, how did that evolve? I should say over time. Yeah. Well, they like pretty much everyone I was telling that I was entering seminary, uh, they were surprised maybe less that I was entering seminary more than seminary and more that anyone uh, would be entering seminary sure. or yeah. studying, you know, for the priesthood. But a lot of my friends, for example, they're like, oh, that's crazy, but it makes sense uh, for you. <laughs> <laughs> With my parents, my mom was a little concerned, just like, you know, you hear lots of things in the news and it's like, sure. oh, are, are priests happy? Are they lonely? Are they, you know, there's, there seems to be lots of problems. So she would, like any mother, was concerned about those things and thought maybe I should date a little more or work a little more. And I was like, oh, I put a good amount of thought into this, mom. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a couple of <laughs> years worth. I think I'm ready to make that decision. And over time, she's really warmed up to the idea and likes, you know, having a priest in the family for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad, he was, he's not Catholic, not really practicing. He grew up Protestant. He was more like, oh, I guess whatever makes you happy, go for it. Yeah. So it's kind of funny seeing the different responses. Yeah. Oh, sure. Sure. Did the experience in Panama when you were a teacher down there play a role a bit in that discernment process? Yeah, no, that was a really powerful time in my life. You know, I was, I was down in Panama for a month uh, teaching with the, I was living basically in the garage of like three Salesian sisters and, <laughs> and teaching at a school there to helping teach English. And it brought a lot out of me. One of the things that really kind of came to clarity was like, how much people need God in the world, how much people need Christ. I remember one particular episode where there was a little boy in the classroom and 
you know, he must have had learning disabilities of, of some kind because I would, you know, try to teach him really basic things in, uh, in English and, you know, and then I would ask him, you know, the question of like, oh, what's this with that after I had just told him and yeah. he like would look at me sweetly and smile and then just give like the complete wrong answer and like totally break my heart and be like, oh, wow. you know, and I would go home and I would pray about this and be like, like, what can I do for this kid? You know, what, how can I help him? You know, he's in rural Panama. He's not going to have like services or help. Like what, what can I really do? And, you know, in praying about that, I, I saw that what he needs is the same thing like my friends back home need or everyone in the world needs, which is like the love of Jesus Christ in their life. And in that, I, I heard, you know, God inviting me to, you know, to be his hands, to be his voice, you know, to be his love, like present in the world, especially as a priest, you know, and through the sacraments. So that, yeah, definitely that time, that experience and service down in, in Panama was really powerful for me. Wonderful. During the course of the lockdown, you began to put together this vocation series, and um, it was a it was a pleasure to go through it. I you have so many wonderful, insightful pieces, but maybe share with our listeners a little bit how you pulled this together and 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 what was the focus of the, of the program. So I've been working in the vocations office for about mm-hmm. just over two years now, actually. Yeah. And as soon as I entered the office and started meeting with guys, I realized like most people don't know how to discern God's will. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Like they don't really know how to address this question. Like maybe there's this vague thought of like, yeah, I want to do God's will. How do you go about that? So, you know, in in meeting with guys, I would try to give advice, but there's often more that I wanted to share or teach than I would be able to do over the course of a couple of meetings. And there's a lot more people out there than I could meet with. So recognizing, yeah, I really wanted there to be like a good resource that isn't just vocation stories. You know, I shared my vocation story earlier. You can find videos online of vocation stories and talks, and those are helpful. Those are good. Or you can find books about the priesthood or religious life or marriage or whatever. But recognizing there's a need for like a guide, like a form of accompaniment, walking somebody through the steps of how how to even think about this and go about this. So recognizing a need for that. And then when the lockdown happened during the pandemic, I finally had time to like, all right, let's put pen to paper. Mm-hmm. And I wrote the episodes in the course of a week or two, really. When there's 27 episodes, you know, they're five minutes in length. So very accessible. Uh, but in that, I share advice, but I also share my own story, putting into practice like the different things I'm talking about and trying to do it in such a way that it's aesthetically pleasing and very watchable, regardless of what I'm saying. So filming different places around Boston that were important in my vocational discernment, like kind of making it incarnational, like showing concretely, hey, this is where this happened, more or less, whether that was, you know, my youth group or my college or different churches I would pray at or things like that, different communities that were helpful. So that that was that was kind of the, I guess, the impetus uh, behind behind it. Yeah. And as I listen to it, each of them kind of identifies with a particular thought process that a young person or even an old person like myself thinking about a vocation might, in some cases, be thinking about, you know, you you identified topics like identity or insecurity or finding yourself. And as you said, it's so accessible. I mean, you can listen to them very quickly. What are some of the other topics that you address in the series? And 
And, and how did you kind of organize all that in, into this process, into this series, I should say? Part of that was the organization behind it came from my own process of discernment, working yeah. with one of the brothers and kind of mm-hmm. leading me through a, a similar dimension to it. But a big part of the series is actually organized based off the virtue of chastity, which might be surprising for people. Um, <laughs> but the, the way the catechism talks about chastity is in two parts, that it involves integrity of self leading to integrality of the gift. So integrity of self is having self-knowledge and self-mastery so that I'm united within my heart so that I'm able to give a complete gift of my life and myself to another, whether that's in marriage or to God. So recognizing a vocation is how God is calling me to give myself completely to something or someone. So the first part of the series, the first nine episodes is hopefully helping lead to that process of self-knowledge of like, who am I? And learning how to root that identity in Christ rather than something that's more transitory. And then that's making me free to give myself completely. And so the second part of the series, the second nine episodes are about yeah, different desires, like learning how to pay attention to like, maybe the Lord's calling me to give myself in this way. And then the last part of the series, the last nine episodes are more specifically about the priesthood. Like what is the priesthood? And hopefully that helps give some clarity, like, oh, is God calling me to give myself in this way? Mm-hmm. I'm curious, Father, during the, during the course of the pandemic, how were the inquiries towards vocations for the Archdiocese of Boston? Did they pick up? Were they about the same? Yeah, great question. So I would say the the first part of the pandemic and the lockdown when churches were totally like shut down in large part, that was a bit of a smaller year for us in terms of men um, entering the seminary. I think a yeah. part of that was just accessibility of the sacraments and ability to pray and um A lot. I mean, on the other hand, more people were asking the question of like, what's the point of all this? You know, what's the point of my life? What am I doing here? Right. Um, (laughs) But some people not always having a place to take that in some ways, like there were there were more inquiries going up. But then there was also like, I mean, the sacraments and the the grace found there are real and important for discernment. So I think numbers were down a little bit, even though we did have a few men enter that year. And then this past year, we've kind of bounced back to where we were before. This series that you're doing on YouTube has obviously got to capture a lot of attention because YouTube is such a huge search engine. I think it's the second biggest search engine in the world. But do you find others that come to you through social media or through other channels? Or do a lot of men or young men come to you through this discernment process through their parish? How do you find that? Where do where do inquiries surface from? I'm just curious. I would say there's there's some that come via like the internet. I think some of those will kind of increase with time as people kind of work their way through the series too. But a lot of people, they're not in Boston, you know, and I'm, I'm not necessarily trying to like get guys to come to Boston from other dioceses or anything like that. <laughs> Hopefully this is a resource for them to reach out to their vocation directors and be connected with their local church. 100%, absolutely. So a lot of, I mean, I guess, I, I guess a few main ways. One is like, God just somehow works, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he inspires somebody to like reach out to us. You know, we get a random phone call or email or yeah, sometimes we're just out of the blue, totally out of blue. And it's like, hey, that's God's providence. That's the prayers of the people of God, um, you know, praying for vocations. You know, I definitely yeah. believe that. 
you know, some of those men, they call and then they are like, what am I doing? And they, you know, they run away and never come back. <laughs> they get scared. So they come yeah. to us with fear and trembling, perhaps. What I try to do in a lot of my work is just get to know people. Mm -hmm. Going to a college campuses, high school groups, young adult, young professional ministry groups, trying to support those ministries and just becoming a familiar face. So mm -hmm. that if somebody has these questions of vocation and what, you know, of what is God calling me to do with my life, then they know me and they trust me and they're, right. they're able to ask those questions. So I'd say a good number come that way. And then, yeah, some do come through like social media or, or newer uh, forms of outreach. That's great. So the program is called Shivius and there's 27 episodes and you've had it out there since 2019. Have you gotten a nice response from it? Yeah. So this series... So actually, we, we began filming in 2020. So I entered the vocations office in 2019. So that's a two years ago. Gotcha. We started filming last year, 2020. And we just started releasing the episodes this past spring. So it's still kind of a newer project. And it's still getting more outreach and being hosted in more places. But that being said, I've already heard from a number of men that I work with some that I referred the series to. And they said it, it has been very helpful. And it's kind of where they're at in terms of their thinking, you know, as you said, the kind of the thought processes that people discerning are kind of thinking about. So hopefully it's, you know, it's like very relatable in that way. And so far from men, I've heard that to be the case. Yeah. Others uh, have, I've been surprised to learn that they're watching it. And there are others who are not necessarily like the target audience, you know, young men discerning the priesthood, but rather married couples, young women discerning their vocation, priests sure. who are, you know, already ordained who have said, oh, they benefited from this too. So I, I think, I mean, a lot of vocational discernment is just good Christian living where we're pursuing holiness. We're pursuing really the freedom in Christ to say yes to whatever God asks of us. And that's my goal as a vocation director, isn't necessarily to just like recruit and get lots of priests though, you know, that'd be nice, but more so, <laughs> more so the goal is to help young men, young women, everyone to pursue, like, yeah, to pursue holiness, to become a saint, to say yes to God's will, whatever it is. And I think that's yeah. where they're going to find freedom. They're going to find peace. There's going to find joy. The kingdom of God will be served. And some of them will be called to the priesthood. That's great. That's beautiful. Is there uh, any one particular story that might come to mind of somebody who was impacted through this discernment process? A lot of it's just kind of the tip of the iceberg is what I see. That, that's It's one of the, I guess, strange things about making videos on the internet is like, yeah. okay, I can see view counts and things like that. But I don't necessarily <laughs> see the person watching them on the other right. side. So, True. but occasionally, you know, getting a text or a message from somebody or somebody who does come forward to say like, Oh, I'd like to apply, you know, to be a priest for the Archdiocese of Boston. Yeah. One young man in particular saying, Oh, this video series was a large part of behind that. So really it's kind of, I get little snapshots here and there, you know, what it might actually mean behind the scenes. Sure. And I understand you're forming, you're filming, I should say four new episodes for the new year. Uh, tell us a little bit about the new content that you're developing. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, so um, later this morning, I'll be running off to, to film one of those. So. Oh, fun. Okay. <laughs> yeah, staying busy. The idea behind this kind of follow-up series was that, okay, the 27 episodes we've had, the title Shivias, uh, yeah. Know the Ways of the Lord. Well, it's one thing to know the Lord's ways. It's another to do them. 
And then ultimately that's what we're called to do with God's will. It's not just, I know God's will for me, but I, I actually follow up and I obey and I do it. So the point of these four episodes is really kind of just encouragement to take action and uh, giving motivation or yeah reasons why we need to act, we should act, even if we don't, you know, one episode talks about uncertainty mm-hmm. um, and how oftentimes we think we have to have perfect clarity and certainty before I can act. And that's based on actually a misunderstanding that we have that, yeah, that, that uh, certainty leads to action. While in reality, it's the other way around that action leads to certainty. Exactly. Um, yeah. So it's, it's when I start to take steps towards something, do I have a, do I arrive at greater clarity and understanding? It's only in following the Lord. Do I, does his voice become louder and clearer? <laughs> yeah. Well, without a doubt, and I can say that from my own experience of being in discernment in the diaconate, I'm at the halfway point. It's a six-year program, so we just you know, finished up our third year, and it is. It's really a journey. Uh, I think about where I was three years ago when I first entered the program, where I am now, and where I kind of hope to be, and, and I think it's just a, a gradual process. That's why they call it formation, yeah. and, uh, and I, I think you put that beautifully. And when it comes to vocation, not just young men considering the priesthood, but people thinking of asking somebody on a date, you know, they like, we get way too far ahead of ourselves. You know, they're starting to think about marriage, you know, they're marrying this person. It's like, no, no, you're just getting to know them. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And similarly, like with the priesthood, people start to like panic and think about like, oh, if I talk to the vocation director, I'm going to be ordained a priest. And it's kind of like, not necessarily. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The church has to discern this too, for one thing. Right. Uh, But also for you, it's going to take time. Yeah. And so I think just recognizing like baby steps, just what is the one thing God's calling me to do today? You know, what's the one thing I'm called to do today? Not necessarily worrying about, you know, the, the evils of tomorrow, as Jesus tells us, you know, like focus on today. No, I, I I completely agree. I I think it's funny because when you first, when when we first started, you know, a lot of the guys were really excited. Oh yeah. I want to be ordained. Boy, this is going to be a really long process. Then when you get like halfway through, you realize, oh my goodness, there is still so much more to learn. How could I ever learn all this in the next three years? Yeah. <laughs> like just, and 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 will I will will I be ready? Will we be ready as a family to start that? And mm-hmm. because there's just so much, I think um, that goes into it. And like you, I, I love the analogy of dating. Yeah, it takes you need to get to know somebody. You need to yeah. court that relationship for a while and 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 talk to God. It makes sense. Yeah. No, that was I mean my experience as well in seminary. When I was in college, thinking about the priesthood, at first I was like, yeah, that's way too long a time, like in terms of <laughs> like going to seminary, like I want right. to, I want to get down to work now, you know, I want to yeah. serve the kingdom of God, I want to get into it. Now, fortunately, I went on discernment retreat weekend, I got to meet seminary and see the seminary. And that was really helpful for me, because I began to see like, oh, these seminarians, they don't, they're not just like, yeah, they're looking forward to being ordained, but they're not just like, wow, this is a waste of time. You know, I want to get out of here, but rather that they were valuing that time. So that when I entered seminary, you know, very similarly, yeah, at first it started off like, all right, let's, let's get through this quick. You know, <laughs> this is going to be a long time. But the further I went, the more I was like, I've got a lot of work to do <laughs> you know, until I'm ready for this. And even actually after I was ordained, I, I got a degree in scripture, an STL, a license. So I went back to seminary to, for another year of studies. And I was actually very grateful for that because I felt like it gave me time to mature like as a person and in my priesthood 
before I really entered like full-time ministry. So even mm-hmm. after I was ordained, I was still grateful for that extra year of yeah. kind of like formation and time for maturation. You know, I, and as you're talking, I was just thinking also, as we talk, the, the irony here is I think in our society, we're not used to, we don't necessarily always encourage that process of discernment. Everything is instant. I want this now. If I want it, I can pull it up on my phone. If I want to get a degree, I can get it online quickly. Like we we're used to, I think if I want a movie, I bring it up on Netflix on my TV. Like everything is, we've gotten to that point, I think in society where maybe, I don't know if, if discernment or taking our time with something is necessarily becoming is still part of our culture as it most maybe in, in years past. So it's it's interesting that this process might be a little even a little bit countercultural in that just helping people to understand that no, it's okay to just enter and be with God and walk on this journey. And then we don't know where it's going to end, but but we have to trust ourselves, maybe even trusting ourselves to the process is something that we're not even accustomed to uh, yeah. or used to. Absolutely. I, I think yeah, we're very much all a victim of our times and the culture that we live in, you know, that's yep. the case for every age. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there is a certain consumerism mentality that we have just like, I want this, I want it now. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't yeah, allow us to like deeply desire and uh, arrive at convictions, you know, like it's a fleeting impulse and I act mm-hmm. upon that, but then my tastes change from day to day. Ultimately, yeah. in, in life and in vocation or relationship with the Lord, like, it's got to come from someplace deeper. You know, sometimes in the vocations office, we run into situations where, you know, men want to apply last minute and enter the seminary and, you know, get started right away. Most of the time, if that happens, like they're, they're gone like two months later. Um, yeah. Like it's, you, you, we like to start a relationship well in advance so that we get to know them and they can arrive at a place of conviction and peace with the decision so that they can, be much more intentional and kind of deeply rooted with, with where they're coming from. Father, are you often or at times in conversations with parents who uh, are of a young man who's considering a vocation? And what advice do you have for parents in, in, to encourage vocations for the priesthood? I think the role of the parent is really important. And actually, probably the number one reason why a man considering the priesthood doesn't act upon that is or religious vocation in general is because their parents aren't open or supportive, um, but usually are oftentimes like antagonistic or opposed. And, uh, you know, there's a whole variety of reasons uh, for that. First and foremost, they probably want their kid to be happy, (laughs) you know, and they're, they're just worried about, okay, well, this is kind of foolish. This isn't going to lead to happiness. Like sometimes it's more selfish. Like I want grandkids, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it can be a whole variety of things. So there often is like a, for somebody discerning the priesthood, there's a process of conversion, but for parents as well, there's an opportunity for conversion of like, you know, do I really believe that my happiness is to be found in heaven and in a relationship with God? And that ultimately letting my child pursue their vocation, how God is calling them is what's going to lead them to heaven. It's going to lead to their salvation. The hardest thing in the world for parents is letting their kids grow up and can tell you that from experience yeah yeah, that's the hardest thing in the world and so for parents to actually help their children to become their own person to become an adult to become responsible and to say like i want to do god's will whatever that may be and for a parent to be able to support that is a very very difficult thing but also ultimately really really important for their children 
Well, Father, where can folks find the, the new video series and how can they contact you if they have any questions? Yeah, absolutely. So I work for Vocations Boston. So that's our website, vocationsboston.org. Our Facebook page and YouTube channel are also Vocations Boston. So the Shivyas video series can be you know, found on those. Also through the website, there's like a sign up list, which has, I, I created like a guidebook that has reflection questions and scripture oh, nice. to pray with and summaries of the episodes to really kind of go deeper within each one as well. So the Vocations Boston is where to go. Excellent. Well, we'll leave a link to the Shivas program uh, on YouTube and to the Vocations office. And uh, Father, thank you for taking the time to put this together. And like you say, I'm sure that even well beyond the Archdiocese of, of Boston, there are probably young men that are looking at these this video series and discerning the call. And at least, you know, even if it doesn't lead to the priesthood, if it leads to, to a conversion experience or a closer relationship with God, I think you've done something incredible here. Well, praise God. I appreciate that. And it's been a pleasure being here with you, Jim. I want to thank Father Zimmerman for being on our show this week and for sharing the gift of yourself through this video series. If you'd like more information about Father Michael Zimmerman or a link to the video series, please visit our episode's homepage at advancingourchurch.com or just check the show notes of this episode. Well, that's our show this week. Special thanks to Carrie Klein from Mission Advancement Partners for setting up our show today and to Pottery Studios for another great show. If you'd like to help our show, please leave us a rating wherever you downloaded this podcast. And for more information about our show and where to find us, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for more than 20 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. I hope you have a terrific week. Take care and God bless.